0: Welcome everybody to the PFF College Football Podcast semi-final recap episode here alongside um, me is Anthony Tresh and we're going to go through the two games. Um, One of them was expected for sure, one of them not quite so much so we'll talk about those two. Tony, what's going on?
1: Not much, just trying to recover from uh, the the wonderful semi-final we got. As you said, I was not... Quite expecting. I wasn't going to be surprised. Ohio State won, but in the manner they did, just a little bit. Now we're going to have to endure like four months of just crazy draft talk about Trevor Lawrence, and I'm ready for it. I love it. Oh, I'm
0: so not ready for that. <laughs> uh, I'm already going to mute the words Trevor Lawrence on Twitter. Uh, you know what's funny? It's like we the, the both games ended up being blowouts, but. You know, one being an expected blowout. You know, you're watching that game. You're not really having any fun watching that game. The other one was a blowout too, but it was like the most fun blowout that that I've ever seen because it was so unexpected. And even though the game was pretty much over by halftime, um, it was just super fun to watch. You just could be- you could not believe uh, every time that uh, Justin Fields dropped back that they were going to score a touchdown. It was unbelievable. i would never seen anything like that before, especially against the Clemson defense um, with Venables there. Uh, they've never been this exposed on defense before. So anyways, let's, let's talk about that one first. Uh, biggest surprise from that game for you?
1: Yeah, that Justin Fields was actually able to finish the game. I thought after that hit that Ohio State lost. I thought the game was over. Yeah, I thought Clemson was going to, you know, win, ultimately win the game because I did not think Justin Fields was going to be able to come back and play, but he did. I mean, I think... That was the biggest surprise there, and then the way Clemson's defense performed that was absolutely atrocious. Darion Kendrick, too. I mean, I, I've praised Darion Kendrick in the past, but this was a game every once in a while. It sometimes it'll show like he looks more like a wide receiver in their corner, like he actually was a couple of years ago. And this was one of those games, he did not look like a, a true cornerback, he looked like he just got into the position. Um, that those couple of touchdowns he gave up that were pretty ugly, but. Overall, the Clemson defense was bad. Justin Fields absolutely probably played, I would say, the best game of his entire career.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's really a, a question, especially against that level of competition. I got to give credit to the, the coaching staff for on Ohio State's side for going up-tempo as much as they did. Um, it caught Clemson a lot. I mean, the first touchdown run, They're running like zone to the left. There's literally no Clemson defensive players to the left, uh, you know, to the offense's left of the center. Like that's craziness. They absolutely, they shook them in in that regard. And it wasn't like, you know, you see a lot of guys moving around pre-snap, uh, let's say like in the NFL, even sometimes at college t- to disguise stuff. This wasn't that this was them not knowing where to line up. And it's not like Ohio state came in with all these funky formations that were running their, their same stuff. They always do uh, maybe a little more trips, but nothing crazy. So for them to come in, get in that tempo, confuse Clemson like crazy. I mean, we saw it early in the game. Remember um, Skowski is trying to line up the two, His two, his like the Sam and the Will that are next to him, like they could do it. He's going one way. Jones going one way. Now he's pulling Jones back to the weak side. He's putting him to the strong side. Like, like from, from, from the get go, they could not align. And, and it's, it's two parts. Obviously it's, it's Ohio state and, and, you know, figuring that out uh, part of their pregame planning. And, and it's Clemson just not knowing what the, what the hell they're doing. And I don't know if they played as much three-high safety defense this year as they did last year. And we talked about it, how this was something that they switched to in the second half last year, Clemson's defense, and, and gave Fields some trouble. They kind of came out with it this, um, you know, this year earlier in the game. And maybe that was it. Maybe they just weren't used to it. Maybe they don't have the players. Obviously, Nolan Turner wasn't back there. Um, and maybe that was causing all this confusion. I like think it was a defense they weren't really set for. And uh, Ohio State gashed them, man. Uh, they just could not line up, took penalties, um, had to call timeouts. Like I said, the big run is, is just entirely them not being aligned. So I thought that was a great, um, a great starting point for Ohio State's offense. And then to get that type of game, like you said, from Justin Fields is uh, – we w- really wanting them to the game.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the guy was damn near automatic from a clean pocket. And, you know, after seeing him wince two on the sidelines, you barely get on the, um, the bike. It's quite remarkable that he was able to do that. Trevor Lawrence, on the other hand, um, I want to get your take on this and what your opinion on him is, I guess, going forward. I mean, this isn't a draft podcast, but obviously you, I mean, this is going to play a big, big role you Know in the evaluation come you know April as to go, you know, who's going second, third. Um, that Trevor wants to not play good, in my opinion. He has 63.5 passing grade for the game, and you know, I wouldn't be as concerned about this game had he been performing at a routine elite level leading up to this point. But he honestly had not been playing all that great recently. I mean, outside, I like, he Torch wake to open up the year, you know, came in against Citadel through nine passes, lit him up. But then after that, it's just kind of been spotty. I mean, how concerned are you about this performance from Trevor Lawrence and what we've seen from him, you know, down the stretch in 2020?
0: Well, I mean, it's the same concerns I have, I've had for, you know, this his junior year and his whole junior year and his sophomore year, which is that he's just not the super prospect that I think a lot of people believe he is. He is, I'd still pick him number one overall, because I think, you're not going to find a guy with those physical talents and physical tools. And I think that probably will make up for any, you know, he'll figure it out later. And and I think you're okay with him going number one in that, in that sense, but no, it's, it's his play for the past two seasons has just, it's, it's been okay. It honestly has not been elite, elite, elite. It's been, been good. It's been probably above average, but I don't, I would never put it in the elite category. Um, we saw it, against Notre Dame. Yeah, he hit a big time throw on the, on the post when the safety vacated the middle of the field. Talk about that in a second when it comes to uh, Clemson's defense. But besides that, it was okay. Threw a couple of dangerous balls against Virginia the week before or like two weeks before. And then in this game, it was, it was okay. I mean, th- there was a bad dropped interception. You know, a bad throw and a dropped interception. Threw a nice ball down the sideline. Threw some nice balls for sure, but it wasn't like Unbelievable. You know, with all that talent, I think that they probably, you know, I think we do have to put a lot of this on the Clemson game plan. They said, yeah, this is what we do when we get to the playoffs. We run the ball with our quarterback because we're not worried anymore. Um, You know, we don't have a choice. We're playing against a good team. We're not playing against these ACC schmoes. And I thought Ohio State did a good job considering they're kind of out leveraged when you play, you know, we talked about this with, when we talked about those option teams earlier in the season, when we specifically, when we talked about coastal Carolina, we talked about how many safeties you need to play against option teams. And, and it's funny cause you think, okay, well, we play with one high safety. That means the other safety is in the box. And then we can deal with the option. Yeah. Okay. That makes some sense. But actually what you want is, is to play with two safeties, one on each side so that they're lower they're both kind of can be run players with a, you know, like a a quick trigger. So when Ohio state goes to one high, which is what they play the whole game, the whole year, the past two years, you know, Ohio state is, uh, Clemson is going to have these opportunities in the run game. So what do you have to do if you're Ohio state? Well, you got to make plays. And honestly, that D line played that D line whipped them up. Like at the end of the day that the, the D line stopped Clemson from gaining the numbers advantage that they had with the quarterback run game. We saw it on the, on the fumble there. um, When Haskell Garrett, I think it was Haskell Garrett just rips the ball from him because it's a good play. You know, they're going to show you um, some sort of, you know, running back bubble RPO type of thing. So if, if the, if the Sam goes with the bubble, yeah, you keep it and you run the football, you know, counter the opposite way. Well, you know, you're running kind of the opposite way and, and, and the defensive lineman gets in the backfield and forces the quarterback to bubble around, um, you know, after a second step. That's a problem. <laughs> like you're not going to go many places that way. Um, and I th- so I thought the D-line did a really good job of uh, kind of gaining the numbers back by winning one-on-one battles. So I thought that was a really good thing because you knew you were going to get it this year. Um, they, they, you know, they talked about it in the off season, how, um, well, we never, we didn't know that Clemson was going to do it to us last year. Well, now you knew it. You play really well against it. Now, with that said, play, play cover one, do all that stuff. You're going to give up matchups on the outside. We said, this is what we said the whole year, like seven banks and Sean Wade, Can they match up against better receivers on the outside? You know what? They couldn't in this game. Sean way. Wade, Sean
1: Wade. Oh,
0: yeah, it's not good. It was not good. Um, they had all the opportunities to, and I don't think they took enough chances, took enough shots outside. I mean, Powell should have got 15 targets in this game outside. You knew what you were going to get. They never doubled him. You should have taken the taking your shots outside. You saw it early in the game, led to a touchdown on a great throw down the sideline. Um, you saw another few, few times, but just not enough. And, and the funny thing is, Because like Ohio State is is so simple in so so many different ways, but because they they actually started to play a little more, um, you know they they always ended up in cover one or cover three, but they 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 did at first or or, or, uh, you know in the middle parts of the game show some rotations where they started up in too high and then they brought the strong safety down and the weak safety you know came back to as the middle of the field post player. So like a strong rotation, but the thing is because Ohio State is a base defense team in that they play with a Sam rather than a nickel, even against 11 personnel, which, you know, that's not something we see a lot. You know, you look at the NFL, (laughs) it is nickel versus 11. That is the game right now in the NFL. And it's, and it's, and it's like that for, in a lot of big, you know, mostly, um, you know, in the power five, let's say, or really anywhere. So because Ohio State plays base, that Sam linebacker can't move around that much. He's got to stay as close to the box as you can do it. So now the rotation, that safety rotation has to be outside of him. So that strong safety has to come down outside of him uh, onto, um, you know, whoever that slot receiver is so that the – Sam can stay either on the tight end or in the box. So you know exactly what you're getting. Now, if you play nickel all of a sudden you can allow that you're a little more flexible. You can run like a buzz rotation where now the, the safety comes down inside of that nickel player. And now you can move around a bit. You can run weak rotations, but because of that, because the Sam has to stay attached to the tight end, you're, you have to play strong rotations if you're gonna rotate down to cover one or cover three. You know what you're getting if you're Clemson. I don't think they took advantage of, uh, uh, of the outside enough. Um, like I said, Powell should have had 15, 20, 25, 45 targets in this game because could, they could not handle him. Either Wade or Seven Banks could not handle, handle him on the outside. Um, and I think that was one of the differences in the game because they played pretty well over the middle of the field because you have those rotations, you do get a staggered hooks type of alignment and you're able to, to, to you know, pass routes off. We saw it, I'm rambling on a bit here, but we saw like um, the, the pop pass that, that Clemson loves to run to the tight end uh, at Galloway. So you're going you're gonna to have this really hard pitch fake or toss fake you know, to the side where the tight end lines up, you know, really, you know, you see Trevor Lawrence really giver on that toss fake. And then they're trying to get that Mike to, to, to bite down and they're going to, and they're going to um, hit, hit the pop pass over top to the tight end house. -hmm. played it beautifully. And I think it was because they're able to rotate down late and get in different angles for different routes. So, you know, I thought this was probably more of a case of, Honestly, for both sides, I thought this was more of a case of Clemson issues rather than um, Ohio State doing anything crazy. Like I said, the tempo was good. I think formation into the boundary was good. Um, you know, they went trips into the boundary a lot. That's good. But I don't think I think this was all. This was a lot of Clemson on both sides of the ball, just um, not being Clemson today uh, last night.
1: Yeah, Sean Wade looked lost out there. I mean, he looked completely lost. He he was targeted twelve times, gave up ten catches for 143 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns, and had the penalty too. So to add some more yards onto those yards allowed. I mean, I, I've been critical of Sean Wade in the past, but I, I really can't see, you know, he I don't think he's a top twenty-five cornerback in, in the entire college football. I mean, he's definitely I don't think there's anything wrong with labeling him as a slot only type of guy. That's exactly what it is. He's a slot box type of guy. And you know, you can, I mean, slot corner is one of the most valuable positions on the yeah. field. I think we kind of I'm truly underrate how valuable it is to have a good player at that position. He just, he can't play on the outside. He, he cannot. And I think this game kind of showed that I'm going to be interested to see you know what's going on moving forward with him um but yeah I mean the defensive front kind of manhandled yeah. Clemson just a little bit at times Jonathan Cooper Tyree Smith those two combined for 10 pressures on the day um, but also going back to uh Trevor Lawrence there were some there were some. I had a, a few issues with his accuracy in this one like it wasn't it wasn't bad but I mean there were I mean well I, I will say this it wasn't like consistently just bad throughout the game. There were just a handful of really, really ugly throws, completely inaccurate throws. He had eight quarterback fill incompletions, nearly a fifth of his passes were that in this game. And then he had around probably about five overthrows, put some behind the receiver too. I I think that was kind of like a big concern that just these bouts of inaccuracy, you know, we saw the first half of last season. We didn't really see that too much this season, but I mean, that's what kind of showed up in this game. Um, with him so I think that is a little bit of a concern but yeah I mean Sean Wade I think that was probably the my biggest takeaway for this game and that's going to be something to really to keep an eye on in this national championship game because it could be very very ugly
0: I think with Lawrence it's obviously we have to make some projections and he has a high ceiling because we look at the physical tools but I think it's okay if you if you're like hey I don't know like like Jacksonville would be absolutely stupid if they didn't take Trevor Lawrence I'm saying that right now like for sure 100 but I think it's okay if we look and say hey it's not the end of the world if you don't think that Trevor Lawrence is so far and away the best prospect in this class regardless of position and even quarterback like we have to understand that he his play on the field has not been as good as I think people want to believe it to be so like hey look you know, if, if you feel like Justin Fields probably has a better career, that's fine. If you feel like Zach Wilson probably has a better career, that's fine. I think that we have to understand that there's like, you know, and Ben Solex said this to me on the podcast a few weeks ago. There's like confidence intervals here. So like, yeah, we're confident in in Trevor Lawrence being able to figure it out because the offense is the same offense they ran with Deshaun Watson, so not a very detail not detailed Detail is not the right word not a very robust offense but Deshaun watson was able to figure out and now we have a guy like you know trevor lawrence who has more like you know physical tools than than the sean watson uh, by a bit not that much but by a bit so like he can figure it out too but at the same time we have to go look at the look at the um the, the, the career, the whole career that Trevor Lawrence has and say that it has not been, it honestly has not been as good as people want to make it out to be. Uh, okay, one more point before we go to Clemson and um, sorry, before we go to Notre Dame and Alabama, because I wanted to talk about how weird it was. Like Clemson, I wrote about this today, but the Clemson secondary, they just like, it's funny. The first game of the season they Nebraska played Ohio state and they, they're running Ohio state's running wide cross and Justin Fields goes through his progressions. The safety stays a little low because they were in some sort of rotation and he hits the backside post wide open. And I remember saying stuff like, Hey, you know, like th- that's great and all like the, the question is always going to be the same. Like, do you have the corners to go man to man on the outside in college football? if you're going to do that with your safety like if you're going to muck around with your safety and and move him around and try and disguise and stuff and not just play him in the middle of the field deep like say Ohio State does well we saw it with Clemson they were fucking around all right let me you know let me you know move around pre-snap you know when when they got their their bearings down like okay let me move around pre-snap let me do this let me do that and they could not get to the middle of the field deep there was the first play um, the first big throw to, um, uh, I don't remember if it was Oliva Wilson now, but on the seam now the corner probably needs to see it quicker and, and jump on it, but the safety is nowhere to be found. I mean, you know he's going the wrong way. You know, you saw the t- last touchdown post post to, uh, to number six, I forgot his name, uh, safety, nowhere to be found, hit a post over his head. Like that happened time and time again. And it was like, Man, you're playing against Ohio State, dude. They throw the ball over the middle of the field. This is not Clemson's offense where they're throwing to the sideline every play. Like, they will throw the ball over the middle of the field. So I thought that was interesting that they just couldn't get their depth. Or they were screwing down on routes uh, in front of them and letting routes behind them. That backside post was open the whole damn game. And, and, you know, they hit it two or three times for big plays and big explosive plays win football games. And that's what it came down to point. What was it 0. 0.93 EPA per play on dropback passes? That's insane. That shouldn't, that shouldn't happen to a Clemson team. Um, anyways, Kate, you have any last thoughts on, on anything about this game?
1: Um, not really. I think I already hammered home the points. I don't want to d- dig too deep into the Bama versus Ohio state preview, but but yeah, I just want to make it be known that I'm kind of concerned about the Ohio State defense against that yeah, Alabama offense. Uh,
0: okay, well, let's talk about that Alabama offense. Um, actually, no, I want to start with, uh, like, we knew this was going to happen. We knew Notre Dame was going to going to get crushed by them. But I think we both said like, hey, we, what what can happen? What 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 is it that is going to give Notre Dame a chance in this game? Um, and I think both things that we said they needed to do. Didn't happen. I think you'll agree with me. They needed to throw the ball early. They did not do that. They needed to throw the, I and mean, then B, they needed to throw the ball downfield. They did not do that. Yeah, well, so they, they, get, they, they honestly gave themselves no chance. You're just playing into, into um, you, you're playing the game as a favorite when you are the severe underdog, and that's a fucking problem.
1: Right. And like they, I mean, they did the, the good job. They avoided Josh Show, Patrick Sertan. They utilized their tight ends or running backs. I mean, Kyron Williams, Michael Mayer, they led the team in the catches with eight and seven, respectively. But also, while Ian Book, there were times he held onto the ball too long. But this Notre oh. Dame offensive line, they got fried. Yeah. I mean, that was Lee, good- Liam Liam Eichenberg was really the only one where I kind of thought he played a pretty good game. But I, the interior offensive line was so, so bad. Aaron Banks. Tommy Kramer, Zeke filled in for Jarrett Patterson, who is out with an injury. I mean, he in two giving up five pressures as a center. That's not good. Krishna Barmore absolutely had his way with this. I'm happy to see line.
0: him because he was one of my guys who was like, and he's been good this year. I'm not saying he hasn't been good, yeah. but like that guy could play, man. That guy's going to be a real NFL player.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. He's going to be, I, I was expecting, like, like you said, he's been good this year, but I was expecting more of like a Quinn and Williams ask yeah. rise. We didn't really get that this season, but this was a Quinn and Williams type of game. He had seven pressures on 40 pass rushers. That's pretty damn good. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, so I, I, would, I would put the blame on almost everybody. You know, I don't want to be too critical of Ian Book. Say this is all your fault. You did this. Because I mean, he, he only invited in a few pressures by hanging around too long, not getting rid of the ball. But I mean, he was under pressure over half the time and he performed extremely bad under pressure. I mean, he was a scrambling machine out there. That's how he, That was just bread and butter all year long. We said this before the game, that he's not going to be able to get away with that this time around. And he didn't, not at all.
0: I think he needed to, you know, at least early in the game or any time during the game, he needs to just take some fucking chances. Yeah. Like, dude, you can't be throwing stick routes the whole damn game against Alabama and expect to win the game. Like there's some plays to be made, whether it's one on ones on the outside. Like, yeah, okay, we talk about not, you know, um, not trying to test, you know, certain or or Job or, or or these guys. Like, you don't have a choice sometimes. Like, you have to play some. You have to play some balls on the outside. And I don't think he did that. I think there were some other routes available to him that he they played scared. He played scared. You know, and 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 they played really scared. And I think I would say uh, the one thing with the run game. The run game was was they they I think they got what they wanted a lot of times out of the run game. But I gotta give credit all of Alabama's secondary. They came with their lunchbox, with the toolbox, whatever the fucking expression is. And they came to hit people, man. Because they were trying to get like Notre Dame was trying to like condense formation, run their duo, pop that shit out the backside, and like Josh Joe was nailing two people. You know what I mean? Like, they were coming down, the safeties were coming down, like, that was a good as hell game for them. All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free, free PFF Edge annual subscription. So that's a $40 value for just $20. And you'll get that opportunity to turn that twenty dollars into even more money playing daily fantasy football and prop games at one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports sites in the USA. In Monkey Knife Fight, go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your twenty dollars with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth Podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every week. And sometimes I mean the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience together, we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, investments.
1: Exactly. But but I mean, also, too, before the game, what do we say? You said, Tommy Reese is going to come out, try yeah. and establish the run. He's going to try and run the ball. What do you know? The first 15 plays of the game, 60% of those were a run. That's too much. You cannot run the ball that many times on those first 15 plays. The most pivotal plays the sure scripted plays. That's the best you have. I mean, come on. I, I, it, I mean, Notre Dame had a great year, but this was kind of, I, I think it was like a bad performance by everybody. Like, I don't think anyone's getting away from this one saying, I did my job to the best yeah. of my abilities, you know?
0: No, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I agree 100%. I think they had, um, what do you say, in the first half, over 50% of their their, their plays were runs. Like, you can't, you can't you cannot do that. You cannot do that and, and expect it. You had to be an underdog in this game. You had to, to act like an underdog, and they did not act like an underdog. And then, you know, flipping it to the other side, so we talk about Ian Book just like, you know, what I saw a lot of just not pulling the trigger. Well, I mean, we've seen this the whole year. This is what Ian Book is. But, like, you know, now it's the semifinal. You you better you better start playing. And he didn't. But, like, not pulling the trigger when there's, like, you know, it's not perfectly open. Nothing's, you know, it's Alabama's defense. Nothing, nothing's going to be unbelievably open. But go and pull the trigger and see if you can make a play. And there's, there's a play by Mac Jones on the other side of the field to running their dagger concept. So dagger is, like, the slot has like a go route, you know, a post, a seam, a go, like just a vertical route. And then the receiver, it's two-man two route. And the receiver outside of him has like a deep in route. So you're trying to, like, you know, in a sense, like you're trying to run off the coverage inside and then get that deep in open. And he throws it for a nice completion, really nice play under pressure. So Notre Dame rotates and they, they, the safety is the one who comes down from the opposite side. And they do this a lot in Notre Dame, it's the safety that comes down from the opposite side of the field and picks up the, the vertical runner from the slot. And Mac Jones is like, hey, the second you turn and I see your butt, you, you're not coming off of that route. So I know I have the, di- the, the dig, the, the deep in. Like the second you turn your, your shoulders away from me and I see your numbers, I know I have that other route and pressure in his face i trust my fucking receivers i throw the ball for a completion for a first down for 12 yards or 15 yards like that is the difference man and like you saw it time and time again you saw the one two i think it's to billingsley billingsley's not even looking for the football on the crossing route, and he throws it to him and he kind of catches it with one hand and kind of brings it in like like you just got to sometimes trust your players to, to, to do things for you if you're the quarterback. And Ian Book, all he wants to do is throw stick routes and crosses and it's not going to work against Alabama.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm really – if I'm Ian Book, you have an extra year of eligibility, I'd be coming back, 100%. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to curious to yet. see what – yeah, not nowhere even close to that. But also, Mac Jones, I thought – I mean, he didn't really win field like we have seen him do in recent weeks. I mean, he had a very low average depth of target. Definitely relied on this. But I thought it was interesting that, I mean, it was in RPO clinic, you know, oh by Steve God. Sarkeesian. It was constantly in, And Mac Jones pulled on over half of those RPOs, over 50% of them, which is an extremely, extremely high rate. And they were just wheeling and dealing on RPOs and screens. There I mean, was a
0: difference in speed in this game. That was so – you don't see it like this that often.
1: You really don't. This was incredible. And, you know, I'm writing an article about this right now, and I don't want people – because, like, I mean, this is the game that most people are going to remember. This is the last game we're seeing for the Heisman ceremony. And people are going to be like, oh, Mac Jones, he's only up there because of Sark and Devonta Smith and everyone else around him which I mean, is, obviously that helps. They've been great. I mean, he's in a great supporting cast, has a great supporting cast and a great ecosystem, but don't let this game completely. You skew your mind about what he did throughout the rest of the season because I mean, the dude, I, I think I, I'm ready to say that he's performed at a level from start to finish this year. That's only is the only thing I've seen challenge Joe Burrow at that near as close to perfect. Perfect as, you know you can't obtain that, but as close to perfect as possible, Mac Jones and Joe Burrow are the only college quarterbacks I can remember getting close to perfect.
0: Sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, he's I mean, been awesome this year. I can't even say anything. He's been awesome. I do yeah, think exactly. the team around him helps a lot when you throw that when you throw that glance post RPO and then Devonta takes it like 200 yards, like around yeah. everybody, like it helps a lot. But I agree. Yeah, I would probably yeah, vote you, him. I'd vote him for the Heisman. Um, I would so,
1: wait, Devonta or Mac.
0: Mac. I think Mac. I just, I, I find it hard to not, um, find it hard not to pick the quarterback, honestly.
1: I, I yeah, I would agree. I mean, like Devontae's has performed better than any wide receiver we have on file since we started PFF college back in 2014. Um, you know, but I, I think I, I would lean Mac Jones. He's just been when half of your game, when your lowest graded game, we have talked about this all the time when your lowest graded games, is at 72.8 mm-hmm. and that's a good day for it's most quarterbacks. Good. I mean, I mean, you should win. I mean, of course, Devonta Smith probably made a bigger impact in this game than I think Mac Jones might have just because, I mean, he took a couple of screens over, um, I think over 20 yards, close to it at least. Um, I mean, he was he was great. I, Devonta Smith's been great. Mac Jones is great. This whole damn team is yeah, absolutely incredible.
0: Incredible. no No Landon Dickerson, it didn't matter. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I thought that would show up at times, but it didn't. I mean, this was just the, your classic Alabama performance. It really could have been a lot uglier too. It really could have been. Yeah,
0: it definitely could have been. And I'll tell you one of the differences. Like I talked about how um, Notre Dame tried to get the ball, like bounce it out quickly, like whether it was duo or whatever run they were running. And, you know, the Alabama boys there's a corner or the safety coming down really stopped that that play in his tracks a lot. I saw that a lot of times. And then you go to the other side of the field and um, – Alabama's running counter. They give it to Najee. Notre Dame is an okay job. It's to the boundary, so they don't have a lot of hats to the boundary. Um, So he's able to, you know, again, they do a good job, but he's still able to kind of squeeze out horizontally um, just around the line of scrimmage. So now that the safety who was kind of pushing to the middle of the field or the backside corner who was pushing to the middle of the field because there was only a tight end on the backside now, or it might have been unbalanced. Tell you the truth, now he's got a now he turns back. You know he sees that it's a run. He sees that the running back is bouncing. He comes down to make a play in the same way that I, that I just said the Alabama defensive backs were coming down to make a play. But what 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 happened on that play? Nah, Najee jumped over him and ran for another fifty yards. Like that that is honestly truly the difference. The the talent level, the discrepancy is just just too much between these two teams. It's it's sad, it's honestly sad that we that we couldn't even get an interesting game uh, for one of the semifinals, like usual uh, for one of the semifinals this year. All right, predictions, quick predictions. What is happening in the uh, in the national national final between Ohio
1: State and Alabama in Miami? Oh, Alabama's going to win. I w- I think they're going to win by double digits.
0: I probably agree with you. I think they they'll probably pressure fields a little more than than, than yeah. even Clemson did. And
1: I, and I can't wait to see Olave and Wilson against Job and Surtain. That's going to be a Insane. great matchup. I, I have a I have an interesting follow up question, and I cannot wait to hear this answer. Who? What do you think the score would be if we had the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide playing against the 2019 LSU Tigers?
0: Uh, it would be probably honestly, it'd probably be similar to the, to the 2019 LSU, Alabama game down to the wire, both teams scoring at will against each other. Um, yeah, I think that's probably, I think it probably ends up being something like that. Last, last possession wins 55, 49, 49, 44, something like that.
1: I mean, who wins though? You gotta well, to wins, you obviously. <laughs> All right. All right. I, I mean, I kind of think I, I'm as big of a Joe Burrow fan as you are, um, but I, I kind of like this Alabama team just a little bit more than the team, and I think, I think it's a the, historically great one. I,
0: I think the depth, or just let's say, not depth, I would say offensive versus offense. I would say the offensive line that Alabama has being that much greater than LSU's last year makes up for Burrow being better than um, Mac Jones. And I think the skill position players are probably a wash.
1: Yeah. Well, it depends. <laughs> it depends. I mean, I, I would probably give the nod to LSU just because after Devonta Smith. I mean, I'd rather have Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is a better receiver than Devonta, and I, I think Devonta's right there behind him in second. But Justin Jefferson, too, right there. I think that was a pretty good. I, I still, th- I think Alabama would would win. It's a good hypothetical. You know, we can only dream. Yeah, we can only dream. All right, um, we can only dream that we're going to get a close national championship game, and I don't think. Yeah, gonna. that's
0: that might be uh might be a little out of our reach. I hope so, though. Really hope so. Yeah, I just so. I would love for my field takes to come true uh, in these two playoff games, but, uh, but we'll see. All right. Uh, well, um, that's it for us. Uh, you can find us this week uh, on our regularly scheduled podcast on Thursday. Thanks for listening, guys.